0: That we thank you for today and the privilege of delivering your message this morning. We ask the Holy Spirit to take absolute control and speak through your servants. May your message be received and accepted and yield fruits in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Good morning, brothers and sisters, and Merry Christmas to you. Every year... We join Christians all over the world to read this gospel narrative of John. Like kindergarten kids, crusades and revival themes are often formulated to focus on this phrase, the coming Redeemer. The fact is, we've gotten used to this very phrase. But the application of the understanding of this message to our daily life living is something else. Towards every year, end of every year, many churches pattern their revivals to reflect on this theme. This year is one of such years. And as carols are sounding with exultant sounds in different churches and places all over the world, heralding once again the celebration of the coming Redeemer, just like we did last Sunday here in our carols. Let's pause a while and reflect on this theme to see what actually the Redeemer's coming meant for us as Christians. Why is the Redeemer coming? The book of Genesis made us to understand that God had created Adam and Eve. He established a relationship with them, giving them commands on how to manage The resources he has created. Genesis 1. 26 to 28 to 31. said, Be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Rule over every creature. Land and on sea. Simple instructions. But did they obey? No. But the moment Adam and Eve. Transgressed against God. Their unfaithfulness. Disconnected that link, and encounter they are having with God and the entire human race, first became subject to the repercussion of their acts of disobedience. Let's go to Genesis three one to thirteen. I'll, I'll take that because it's a long chapter, so I'll be cutting it short for lack of time. Now the snake was very crafty. The snake was the, if you like, craftiest of all the wild animals God created said to woman you must not eat from you must not eat did god say you must not eat from the tree in the garden and the woman told him we may eat of the fruits of the trees in the garden but god did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden you must not touch it or you will die and the snake said no you will certainly not die God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman looked at the tree and saw that it was good. It was desirable. It was pleasing to the eye. And she took some and ate and then gave to her husband. And of course their eyes were opened. So they sewed up leaves and wore. And then when God came down in the garden, And they heard him, they went and hid. And of course, God said, where are you? Simple question too. Because Adam has done something wrong. He started answering something else. I heard in the, I heard you are in the garden and I was afraid and I hid myself. He didn't answer the question, where are you? And God said, who told you you are naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And he said, the woman you gave me, gave it to me, passing the buck already. doesn't want to admit his guilt. And the Lord said, woman, what have you done? What have you done? From that instant, mankind lost its godliness and the divine privilege of incorruptibility and God distanced himself from them. In Genesis 3, Three sixteen to twenty four. God told the woman, "Because you have done this, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Trust me, it's not easy to give birth to a child, both ways, so, both natural and uh, cesarean. And what was this? John, the child didn't, so, you know." And then he said, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Are uh, they not ruling over us now? And God said to Adam, because you have listened to your wife and ate the fruit, which I commanded you not to eat. Please, man, I don't say don't listen to your wife. So that's not what God meant. He said, cost is the ground. Because he put Adam in charge, and Adam listened to wrong advice. He could have said no to the wife. So he said, Cost is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from, from all the days of your life. And I'm sure our men are also not finding it easy to provide for their families. So, and God told them, by your sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since you are taken from it. From thus you are, and thus you will return. God made them garments of skin and clothed them. And then, because he now said, man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life to eat. That's when man started needing redemption. God was angry and drove them out from the garden of Eden. Yes, God distanced himself, but never obliterated or totally destroyed mankind because he created them in his image and likeness. God's essence is in man. Genesis 1.26 The destiny of man from creation is unto God in eternity, but the devil scuttled that plan and purpose. By the willful choice of man, this situation in the course of history, never pleased God. The fact that God's essence is a man, the favor of God never got obliterated. So, God devised a plan to salvage the damage done by the devil. That is the beginning of our redemption. From this moment, God launched his salvific project. Salvific means leading through salvation. It is from the Latin word salvificus, meaning saving. Through Noah, Adam, through Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the chosen race of Israel, but none of these things subsisted. Even after salvaging Israel from Egypt and schooled them through the desert for forty years, settling them in a land flowing with milk and honey, as in Exodus 3:17, it was difficult for Israel to remain faithful to the covenant they had with God through their forefathers. Their disobedience through the history led to the deportation of the Jews into exile away from the promised land. No one of the prophets from Moses down the line was able to revitalize the spirit of non-transgression that has become the arbiter to our permanent salvation. Because man kept sinning, and sinning and fell short of God's grace. Romans 3 23. Even though God promised to restore Israel from their ruins and make them his people, while he will be their God. So that God is still trying to redeem his people, even after Adam and the Israelites. So at the seeming hopelessness of the Jews, God through the mouth of Prophet Isaiah assured them explicitly of his redemptive promise from all their troubles. Let's see Isaiah seven fourteen. Isaiah seven verse fourteen said Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign, the virgin will conceive. And give birth to a son. And we will call him Emmanuel. And his mission will be antiretroviral of the fallings of man in the Garden of Eden. Verse 15 says, he will be eating cods and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. Reject the wrong and choose the right. He has to refuse to choose evil over good. This very re- rejection of evil and choosing good was what our first parents were unable to accomplish with their free liberty of choice. They had the option of choosing good over evil, but they didn't. What of you, sitting down here, when left with options of good over evil, what do you do? Let's look at this scenario. You discover a large stash of funds lying carelessly, dropped by somebody, and you've been praying to God for maybe school fees, house rent, or one big... Project or the other, and then you suddenly saw this money. Nobody saw it with you. Do you look for the owner of that money, or you just keep it and say, "Oh, the Lord has answered my prayers." After all, the manna fell from heaven for the people of Israel. Do you look for the owner, or do you take keep the money? Women, I'll ask you these questions. How many times have you doubled your children's school fees? Or lied about the activities in their school. Because their husband trusts you to do that. Just to get that. Trending handbag or shoe. How many of you. Do that. And you say what my husband doesn't know. Will not hurt him. Hello. Or young people. You are a student. You barely have. You barely get by. And you are eyeing that expensive smartphone or tablet. Or for the ladies looking for lace wigs and waven and human hair that you cannot afford. And suddenly one uncle or auntie buys it for you. You know what I mean? Not uncle. Uncle. Sometimes they call it careless money. I got careless money. How do you get your own careless money? We also need a redeemer like the Israelites. Therefore, this redeemer shall be called Emmanuel, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's Isaiah 9, six. If you are there, you can read it for us. Isaiah nine six to seven. His government shall be upon his shoulders. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7. Of the greatness of his government and peace. There is no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom.
1: To order it. And to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this.
0: Yes. Thank you. The Israelites are wondering what manner of king is this that we know that all the authority will be on his shoulders and he will reign over the kingdom and his kingdom will have no end. They are wondering what manner of king is this. But the zeal, the Bible told us that the zeal of the Almighty will accomplish this. This prophecy has a direct connection with the subject which was finally fulfilled in the New Testament. By the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory glory as the only son of the father john 1:14 this coming of the redeemer was what paul in his letters took time to explain to the foolish galatians in galatians 3 chapter 1 can you turn to galatians 3 chapter 1 I will read. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And he went on to verse 3 to say, Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Tell someone, It is not my portion. I will not finish by means of flesh. In chapters, in chapter four of the same Galatians, in verse four, Galatians four, verse four, the Bible told us that, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. That we may be adopted sons of God. This has been the yearning of man for so many years before the birth of Christ. That was why Paul succinctly put it We know that the whole creation has been groaning in travail together until now. And not only in the creation, but we ourselves, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. Grown inwardly as we wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, Romans 8:22-23. It is not in order to see the salvific plan of God forcing up together, but culminating in, in him through the Son, his Son, God made man. That is what we are waiting for. It's a redeemer to come and redeem us from our hopelessness, just like the Israelites. All the expectations of man was summed up in the Maranatha. Oh Lord, come. First 1 Corinthians 16.22 Maranatha is an Aramaic word found only once in the New Testament. Some say it's O Lord, come. Some call it Lord, come. But important message there is that they're begging, the, begging Jesus to come. He has come to do what? He has come to reshape the battered man. Like a panebiter beats into shape, a damaged car, to make it have the same appearance like the makers made it. That's what our Lord Jesus come to do. To beat us into shape. Beat sin out of us. In the earlier stages, I mentioned the consequences of the transgressions of Adam on all mankind, which is death Romans 5 twelve not just death but also misdirection to eternal life, which kept mankind wandering directionless like the Jews in the wilderness. That is why our redeemer Jesus Christ, gave us this treatises in the blueprint of "I am a gosum, which you can read up in the Gospel of John as a formula. The integration of, our man, of man to God. This outstanding triathesis is I am the way. I am the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. John 14.6 These three examples, essential principles for eternal relationship was what Adam and Eve faltered against in the garden of Eden. I am the way I am the truth. I am the life. The problem of the Jews is being experienced in our world today. There are so many people hopelessly walking around. Even amongst us Christians. They don't even know what salvation is again. Because the Life has beaten them. So many turbulence in our lives. So many distractions. Looking for things to eat. And we lose the essence of our making. John, the evangelist, framed it in the first chapter of his gospel. Recording the true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made through him. Yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home, and his own people received him not. John 1, 9-11 Are we different from the Jewish people of the time of Christ? When we consider the many ugly things we do that negate the way, the truth, and the life. The way we prepare for Christmas, the coming of Jesus, is in consonance with the reason of his coming. Every day we are busy with one thing or the other, weddings, burials, anniversaries, Christmas parties. We are even getting ready for elections. By the way, I hope you have your PVC to vote in the right candidates. And what have you? So many distractions in life. The encounter of the Samaritan woman with Christ at the well of Jacob gave a lucid indication of the manner of relationship that God wants to have with man. The Redeemer. I know that Messiah is coming. He is called Christ. When he comes, he will show us all things. Can we look at John chapter 4 from verse 7? Jesus and the Samaritan woman. In chapter 7, in chapter 4, verse 7, the Samaritan woman came to draw water from the well of Jacob. And Jesus told her, will you give me a drink? Then there, there's this enmity between the Samaritans and the Jewish people. They don't talk to each other. I think they are claiming rights over ownership of um, of, of um. The hill of uh, the mountain of worship. So this Samaritan woman said, you are a Jew. I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? And Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for this drink, you would have asked him and you would have given you living water. The woman said, you have nothing to draw water. This well is deep. Where can you get this living water? She doesn't know the living water is with her. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Amen. And the woman said, give me this water. So that I won't get thirsty. And have to keep coming here to draw water. But. Jesus. Explained to her. Further and said. Or rather the woman. Said. I believe. A time is coming. When we will worship. The father. Neither on this mountain. Nor in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Salvation is from the Jews, meaning that the Messiah is coming from there. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah or Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus said, I, the one speaking to you. I am he. Jesus is nearby, speaking to you. Are you listening? Before I conclude, I would like to end this reflection by calling our minds to meditate on the on some aspects of the Nicene Creed. He was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is he seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. He will come again in glory. This is our faith. This is the faith of the church. Our Redeemer will be coming again. Let us quickly look at Luke chapter 21, verse 34 to 36. Luke 21, verse 34 to
1: 36. Watch out. Don't let my sudden coming catch you unawares. Don't let me find you living in careless ease, carousing and drinking, and occupied with the problems of this life, like all the rest of the world. Keep a constant watch and pray that, if possible, you may arrive in my presence without having to experience these horrors.
0: Carousing and drinking. Thinking about the anxieties of life. How will you, will you be doing all these things when the Redeemer comes? In Acts of the Apostles, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 11, we are also made to know That the Lord will come again. When the angels told the apostles. After the ascension of Christ. And they were looking. Heavy laden. And worried. And the angels said. Men of Galilee. Why do you stand up looking into heaven? This Jesus. Who was taken up from you in heaven. Will come in the same way. As you saw him go into heaven. The Redeemer has come, and he will come again. Therefore, my brothers and sisters in Christ, in the words of Paul to Timothy, I urge you to remain steadfast in full expectation of the coming of the Redeemer without wavering in faith. Let's read Second Timothy chapter 4. I'm not the one that said it's the Bible. Second Timothy chapter 4, from verse 1 to 5.
1: 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 5. And so I solemnly urge you before God and before Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead, who will
0: someday judge the living and the dead,
1: when he appears to set up his kingdom, when
0: he appears to set up his kingdom,
1: to preach the word of God urgently at all times,
0: preach the word of God,
1: whenever you get the chance in season and out
0: in season and out of season preach the word
1: when it is convenient and when it is not yes correct and rebuke your people when they need it encourage them to do right and all the time be feeding them patiently with god's word for yeah. there is going to come a time when people won't listen to the truth but will go around looking for teachers who will tell them just what they want to hear exactly they won't listen to what the bible says but will blithely follow their own misguided ideas. Stand steady and don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Bring others to Christ. Leave nothing undone that you ought to do.
0: Thank you very much. They say, don't listen to false doctrines. Don't wait for what your itching ears would like to hear. Some churches especially in the west condone adultery and fornication. They don't see it as anything. People live and they call them partners. They can come to church, they receive sacraments, they receive they are part of they receive holy communion and then they go back and they don't see anything wrong in that. Leviticus 18.20 says it is a defilement of your body. And your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Same-sex marriage has divided the church today. I don't know whether it's husband and husband or to call them man and man. Leviticus 18.22 say it is an abomination. No matter what they preach. They have gay pastors now. It is an abomination. Some people have sex with even animals. Leviticus 18.23 says it is a perversion. So let's be careful when people teach false doctrines. Or our ears are itching to hear what we want to hear. So that we will deviate. They want to water down the gospel. We will not allow them to water down the gospel. Please let us quickly read um, Luke chapter 21 from 25 to 28 again.
1: 25 to 28. Then there will be strange events in the skies, warnings, evil omens, and potents in the sun, moon, and stars. And down here on earth the nations will be in turmoil perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. The courage of many people will falter because of the fearful fate they see coming upon the earth for the stability of the very heavens will be broken up. and the peoples of the earth shall see me, the Messiah, coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand straight and look up, for your salvation is near.
0: The Son of Man will be seen coming in a cloud with power Power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Hallelujah. Now let's not waste our time speculating when Christ will come. We do not know. It's only God that knows the date. What we should rather do is is live the kingdom lifestyle. Live your life in consciousness of the coming Redeemer to judge the living and the dead. Maranatha, O Lord come. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Revelations 1.7 But this time around, it is only those who receive him and believe in him that he will give the power to become children of God. This song reminds me of this verse in the Bible of the glory of the great power of Son of Man coming through the clouds. <laughs> Omo mo chukhu gango ri, bia ne bube. Let's sing it. Ona bia ne bube, ona bia ne bube. Anya den sogahoya, mbona bia ne bube. Oh, mo chukhu gango ri, bia ne bube. My brothers. My sisters, are you ready for the coming Redeemer? Or will you be found wanting? Let us bow our heads in prayer. Father Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this message today. Those short, we would like it to be planted in our hearts. Is there a particular sin holding you from accepting the coming Redeemer? Does the desire for amassing wealth and riches prevent you from living that kingdom lifestyle? The Lord is calling you to return to him. Idolatry has eaten deep into the fabric of the church. The God of power Pride, money, worldliness, and the like. The Lord is calling us. Can you hear him? Can we respond in repentance? The people of Sodom and those living in Noah's time were swept away because of unbelief, complacency, and worldliness. Don't be caught in that. Are you living in such a way that whenever our Redeemer returns, he will find you ready? Ask the Lord to help you live each day ready for his coming. Are you so self-righteous, like the Pharisee, and think that you do not need forgiveness? Humble yourself before the Lord and ask for his mercy. Are you at a crossroad Confused, dejected, and in a state of hopelessness. Our Redeemer is here to bring you hope. If only you will accept him. Are you lukewarm, neither hot or cold? Just going through the motions. The Lord is calling you today. If only you could listen to him. Don't leave this place empty allow God's message of hope and redemption to enter and enrich your soul I'd like to call on our chaplain to please pray for us
2: will you be ready when the Lord shall come will you be ready when the Lord shall come yes I will be ready I will be ready. I will be ready when the Lord shall come. Yes, I will be ready. I will be ready. I will be ready when the Lord shall come. A father and a God We have heard your word Reminding us of where we fell Right from Adam and Eve And reminding us of why The Redeemer is to come He has come And he will come again He has come to set us free From the fall And the deception And the death Where Adam and Eve took us down He has come To bring life And life in eternity He has come with salvific interest, life that is lived in eternity in tune with you. He will come again in glory to now judge our lives. Father, as we prepare and make our hearts open, as we remember his first coming, may our lives be ready and meet him in a condition that honors you and shows that the purpose of his coming into our lives has been made manifest. Light shone in darkness and darkness has repensed in the name of Jesus Christ. In all the areas of evil, where we had to make a choice and we have not yet made a choice of good over evil, Lord, today we repent of our lifestyles and we repent of our actions and we repent of our running and living just like the world. In actions, in mindset, with the surfeetings, and with the carousing of this life. Being overcharged with them. Father in heaven, we clear up this burden and garbage that is shackling us like everyone. And we'll come again and ask God that you will cleanse us and make us father presentable acceptable in you lies that lord belie holiness in the name of jesus christ and father may we be ready for his coming at any time even this time now the redemption draws near the taking home of the saints draws near no man knows the time but Lord, we live every day in waiting for His coming. As we celebrate His first coming, we get ready for your second coming. May our lives be presented worthy, acceptable before you. Found the delight unto you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Almighty, as you also empower us in this time of difficulty, in this time when the passions and the seasons of the world seem to overtake the reason for your coming, that will be in soberness, that will be Lord in vigilance, that as we reflect and remember that Christ is the reason for this season allies, lives will be lived in giving you praise, giving you glory, thanking you for bringing salvation hope, redemption to us and preparing us as a people of your own, waiting to be taken up with you in glory in the name of Jesus Christ Thank you as you preserved us. And thank you as you sustain us. And thank you because you have already not only forewarned us, but also comforted us. Times of turbulence, times of difficulty, times of hardship, Times that people do all things to make ends meet. Times when people will also soil themselves and soil their testimony and their reputation and do not mind where help has come from. If only to make sure that they live up to the times and up to the ego and up to their standard. But in this, Lord, we have received assurance. Not only do you give us abundance as you have promised, but because you are shepherd, we shall not want in the name of Jesus Christ. And because you are a shepherd, even when we walk through the valley of the shadow, of death, of destruction, of fear, of the times of turbulence, your rod and your staff, they shall be with us. Your presence is accompanying with us. And Lord, may every one of us be assured of your presence at this season, in the name of Jesus. And because of your presence, May we live lives that honor you and that reflect you and that give you praise and glory and from which the enemy cannot break the hedge to hurt. Our lives shall be a continual praise and delight unto you. This season, as we tide over into the new year and Lord as we wait for your coming. Blessed be your name, O God, for your grace and mercy and for your sustaining grace and comfort.